Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. I invite you to begin uh, finding your seats again, and together this second Sunday in Advent, we prepare our hearts and minds to worship the living God.
fourth candle of and the candle of hope. We also light the second candle of Advent, the candle of peace. As we do this, we claim the promise of Jesus from John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Please stand for the call to worship. In this season of expectation, we prepare to welcome Christ Jesus, who is our hope, into the bustle of our lives and the hard-to-find moments of solitude. We prepare to welcome Christ Jesus, who is our peace. Into our lives, our homes, and our world, we prepare to welcome Christ Jesus, who is our salvation. Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. Today is December the 10th, 2017. This is the 94th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant, and today's broadcast is number 4,871. The Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled Heralds of Good News, will be delivered by Rev. Dr. Holm Lippert. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, Director of Music and Organist, the Chancel Choir, and the Atchison family with the lighting of the Advent candle. Our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Child care is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the sanctuary. Our opening hymn is Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus, which is number two in the Presbyterian hymnal. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. This is our cry, our prayer, because we know the brokenness of this world, and we know, if we're honest, our part in that, our own failings, which is what draws us to this space of confession. Not hoping God will forgive us, but, but knowing we can be fully and 100% open, because God's grace is what holds us yesterday, today, and forever. Let us go to our God in a prayer of confession, as printed in your bulletin, 
Lord God, we praise you for sending light into this world. We confess that we live as though the light had never defeated darkness. We confess that we ignore the Savior you sent to be among us and to live in us. We've kept the birth of your Son confined to the Christmas season and do not yearn for his coming each moment in our waiting hearts. Forgive us for not opening our eyes to Jesus. Prepare us for his return. May his light illumine us this day and forevermore. Amen. We give thanks this day that because of Jesus Christ, as far as the east is from the west, that is how far our sin has been removed from us. And the light of his grace and life shines on us this day and makes us new. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated, and at this time I would invite our team of folks who is going to be heading to Honduras uh, the first week of January to come on forward. Many of you in this congregation know that for a number of years now, uh, every late December and on into the kind of the first week, week and a half of January, uh, we have sent a team to southern Honduras. If you all want to just line up and face the congregation this way, kind of line up in a row, perfect. Introduce these lovely folks in a second. You want to go join them. Uh, We've sent a a team to southern Honduras, uh, the most impoverished area, really, region of Honduras. And and this team uh, partners up with uh, church and medical professionals down there to do eye care and eye surgeries and dental care and medical care. And, and just love the people and, and honestly and receive the love in return. It's, it's an incredible uh, partnership, which I, which I think is really what you want in, in any kind of mission work. You want to partner with the good work God's already doing down there and, and, and then bring, of course, your gifts, your time, your talents. And so God has raised up uh, this particular year a wonderful team of folks, most of whom you seem up, see up here. And we are grateful that... Um, Brian Baird and Cameron Baird can go again, and Marsha Manning going for the first time, grateful for that. And then Ron David and Susan Pillsbury David uh, lead this trip every year, and so excited that, uh, again, they're going to be joining up with a, a group of other folks down there. And we want to celebrate the fact that they're going, encourage them, so catch them after worship and ask them questions and offer your own encouragement. And then formally offer that by commissioning them with a prayer in the service of worship. Would you join with me? Gracious God, we give thanks that you have seen fit for for a number of years now to lead us into a partnership with your people in southern Honduras. We give thanks that your spirit has knit us in so many ways. Most foundationally, we find ourselves knit as sisters and brothers in you, sharing life, 
sharing table, sharing expertise, bringing about the good news of your gospel in and through prayer and love and real-time physical healing and help. Pray that your Holy Spirit will be faithful to fall upon these who are going. Thank you for the Brian and Cameron, for Walter, for Marcia, for Susan, for Ron, for those they are teaming up with elsewhere around the states. Pray that in and through them you would allow their gifts to thrive, that in and through them your love would be made known in very practical ways, in very beautiful ways, and open them too. Because you are already at work in southern Honduras, and we pray that they would be open to the ways that you are at work, that they might receive the gospel themselves, even as they go. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you all. And I forgot to mention that Walter Bundy is on this trip as well. He's not here for the prayer, but want to announce that as well. You all are invited to return to your seats. And I do hope, again, you'll catch these folks after the service of worship. And as they're headed back, uh, I will invite Reverend Christopher Tweel to... Uh, the front door here of the sanctuary. And any of our children who are six years and younger uh, who would like to join Reverend Tweel, you may do so uh, for Children's Chapel. Let's go to our God in prayer. Our gracious Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have seen fit to to speak to us, to speak to us in our place and time, in our language. Holy Spirit, open our hearts that we might receive and truly hear what it is you have for us in and through your word this day. In Jesus' name we make our prayer. Amen. We are in a season called Advent, which, as you may have remembered from last week, means coming. And, and we celebrate the, and name and give thanks for the coming of Jesus on earth in the flesh. And we also anticipate the second coming, when, when Jesus' kingdom is made known on earth as it is in heaven fully. And so Advent is a season of waiting, of expectant waiting, of expectant hope. And in this Advent, the second Sunday of Advent, we have uh, two scriptures in Old and New Testament, both from the lectionary. The Old Testament comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. 
The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd and he will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. And gently lead the mother's sheep. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. And our New Testament scripture comes from the gospel of Mark. Chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our son Leo is now 22 months old and he is on the move. Some of you have seen him running up and down these hallways or, or outside the social room here in the narthex or, or in the fellowship hall area with the other children at Wednesday night supper. A few days ago in our house he was on one of these runs and I can see it before it even happens. He's racing along the hardwood floor area towards an area where we have a rug. It's a thin rug, it's hardly an obstacle, but it is a change in the terrain, a slight change in elevation. And sure enough, his little feet are scampering right along that wooden surface, and they hit that little bit of uneven surface, boom. And that whole little body goes tumbling over. And since I have become a father, I find that I look at the ground a lot more these days. In large part because I want to be aware of where there are raised sections of the floor, raised sections of carpet. Where there are stairs, where there are significant drop-offs, where there are things that are steep. Basically anywhere, small, big, large, where there's a change in terrain. Because I know the unevenness presents a problem. And of course it's not just him, I... Somewhat embarrassed to admit the amount of times I have walked on these sidewalks in the fan since moving here. And if there's that little unevenness from the older sidewalks and what, there's a little trip, there's a little stumble. Twice on Strawberry Street, I have fallen flat, full body, down on the sidewalk. And of course, I know this goes for, in many ways, 
all of us, as we get older or we attend to aging parents, we find this need to, to pay attention just a little more to ground and where there's a little bit of uneven terrain or a rolling driveway. Because we know that even a little bit of unevenness can do some real damage. Uneven terrain is how Isaiah in chapter 40, describes the reality of God's people as they are in exile in Babylon. Valleys, mountains, uneven land, rough ground, all of these are descriptors used in verse 4 of our reading. All of them are are ways of speaking about a people who've been walking through a pretty difficult terrain. Lots of stuff on which one can trip, stumble, fall, find themselves entirely sucked into an abyss or just run up against an impossibility. Now, the text here does not specify which valleys and mountains and uneven terrain and and rough land Isaiah has in mind, but other portions of the Bible tell us that the people in exile most definitely knew the deep valley of grief and anger while in exile by the rivers of Babylon we wept, Psalm 137. We know that the people of God experienced the mountain of their own sinful disobedience and the pride that put them in this exilic situation. They know within themselves and around themselves a sin that is, that is so large and so great that they can't just move it, forget about it, get rid of its consequences. It's just there. And they feel the weight in exile. We know they've experienced that uneven train as, as people living a long way from home, as second-class citizens under Babylonian rule. And even though at times they had it good and other times not so well, they, they knew the slights, they knew the heavier tax burden, the, the fewer rights, the uneven things that often happen living under another's rule. And so to a people that for all kinds of different reasons live in this kind of terrain and have reason for stumbling, a proclamation issues forth. Comfort. Comfort, my people. A word of forgiveness is is offered, and and then we continue, and, and we hear, every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, the uneven ground shall become level, the rough places plain. God is on the way, and all of that deeply uneven terrain, and even slightly uneven terrain, all the terrain shall be brought to a level place. The promise, then, is that a spacious kind of opening will be made where where walking and running are done freely and without fear of stumbling or tumbling or crashing. God declares, the ground shall become level, and the body can move freely. Isaiah 40 then most definitely speaks to us. Because we gather this day and we are a people who most definitely know valleys. Some of us, we know what it is to walk our days in the valley of grief, the valley of loss, the grief of the diagnosis, the walls of anxiety that seem to build around us, the darkness of the addiction within or the very real crisis Without. We know even as, as some joyfully celebrate in this season, there is expected yet another massive wave of, of famine in Sudan this coming year. 
Goodness, we know that just two miles apart are our children in Richmond who, who are raised for whom a, a drive-by shooting is kind of a thing on the movies and then others who, who are being raised and told not to play outside as much because someone may be driving through again and shooting. I mean, I mean some of the terrains we can observe seem so profoundly uneven. We, we don't even know where to start. And of course, we as people, we, we, we definitely know mountains. We know in our own lives, our own situations, situations that seem impenetrable, absolutely impossible. We know, some of us, how our past weighs on us, and that can't just be forgotten. Or we know how their past and the ways that they have hurt us place a huge barrier in the relationship. We know people who just will not change. They are set on their ways. It's destructive, but you know what? They have the power, the position, the money that... They're not moving. And then we know, you know, that uneven terrain that doesn't appear as drastic as some of the deep valleys in the high mountains, but, but experience bears out that any measure of uneven terrain can cause quite a stumble. And so we know and we've seen slights of prejudice. We know and we see what it is for, for one people or one person to be recognized, but another to be forgotten. We know how it is that when a, a certain skin color or job can quickly turn the internal compass. We know and we see how sometimes certain areas or certain schools get the attention, get the funds, and other ones you just fall off the radar. We know and we see when the system works for certain people, or at least it can be greased and a way can be found, and, and then for another group of people, the system is a nightmare. It is one stumble and tumble. It's uneven. We know what it looks like when a society or even a church walks with something of a lip because the truth is any measure of uneven terrain is something that affects all for the worse. The assurance of Isaiah 40 is that the ground shall be made level. Every valley raised, every mountain low, made low. And God will do this. And one day, many years after Isaiah's prophecy, God shows up in a unique way in the belly of a poor woman. And do you remember what what she sings when she is pregnant with God? We know it as the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's how Mary begins. And then do you remember some of the things she sings after that? God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The proud mountains of power and wealth are brought low. The lowly, the hungry, are raised and filled. Mary sings about a God arriving who is faithful to level the terrain, to break down the unjust, the broken, to raise up the hurting, the needy. And then Jesus, he himself arrives on the flesh in the scene. And do you remember his very first sermon? It seems directed at all kinds of valleys. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are persecuted. He declares them blessed. He begins leveling the plain by raising up these valley realities and with this gracious anointing, recognizing them. 
And then, of course, one of Jesus' very first actions, as told by the Gospel of John, is, is going at some mountains. Jesus walks right into the Jewish temple and turns over the table and all the, the money changers and profiteers. And, and then he, he teaches in ways that scandalize and humble the religious establishment, the strong, the powerful, the unjust. He starts leveling their way, their pride. Raising up, leveling. And then, of course, on the cross, Jesus confronts simultaneously the largest mountain and the deepest of valleys. He confronts the mountain that is human sin and evil. And he bears the entirety of that impossible train upon himself. And scripture declares he destroys that mountain's power by forgiving. Mountains crumble before love. And on that cross, Jesus also takes on the depth of death itself and bears the impossible valley of death. Three days later, when Jesus rises from the grave, he shows himself to have destroyed, have the power to destroy that mountain of sin, as well as the inevitable valley of death. In Jesus, it is to a level plane of grace that we are brought. The mountains no longer trap us or define us or hold us. Free from that, those have crumbled under forgiveness. The valley no longer threatens to swallow. That's been raised up. Rather, in Jesus, what we stand on is an expansive life where our souls live and move and have their being. And there is no fear that we might stumble or fall. But in fact, we we are free in that open, wide expanse to run and walk and sprint with joy and life. The body finds its life and motion On the level terrain we know in Jesus Christ. Comfort. Comfort, my people. For your God brings you to a spacious place. A level place. And yet even as we confess that this is our truth in God. And we give thanks for the leveling and the raising up that we know at a a foundational level in Jesus. We we also say, you know, that there remains so much that, that is uneven. And even deeply and impossibly valley and mountain kind of uneven in our lives in this world. Even as we give thanks for the spacious space that we know at a foundational level that we have for all eternity. We also ache, come thou long expected Jesus. That we might know on earth fully what it is in heaven. And Isaiah, interestingly, actually towards the end of our scripture today assures us, you know what? That ache. God's already here. Not the fullness of the second coming, but we read, read that, that we as the people of God are to proclaim forth, here is your God. Right here, right now, here is your God on the move. Verse 10 and 11. God's right hand of strength is moving and ruling. God's tender arms carrying the sheep. Justice and mercy, strength and compassion, right arm and tender embrace. Here is your God right now. See Proclaim him. Well, where precisely is the leveling God right now that we so need? I was listening to a guy named Steve Chalk. He was being interviewed earlier this week on a program. He's a Baptist minister from London, and he and his wife founded uh, this home called Oasis in 1985. It's now a massive nonprofit doing incredible 
uh, kinds of work in I think 36 different areas all over the UK. But, but when it began, it was essentially a hostel for young homeless women in Peckham, South London, particularly for those who had known some sort of abuse. And it was called Oasis because someone early on said, you know, this place is like a refreshment, water of life amid a desert reality where the system just was failing. Now, the house they found that they were able to get could fit 15 people at a time. And everyone would get their own bedroom. They'd get their meals. They'd have a common room with television and books. And, and during the day, they'd learn basic life skills. They'd get an education. They'd work through trauma. There'd be worship and prayer. And early on, the London Social Services, they bring to this Oasis house this 17-year-old girl who had been found chained to her bed for six months, abused and tortured in all kinds of ways, utterly emaciated, horrifying scars, and, and she would not, she could not speak. And every morning at breakfast, she would sit over on her own or she just wouldn't come. And then after six months in this atmosphere of just consistent, ordinary attentiveness, She walks into breakfast and she looks at everybody. She never looks at everybody. She had no sense of self-worth. But she looks that day and she says, good morning. And that's it. Well, that night, a bunch of the girls, they decide to throw a party for this 17-year-old because she spoke. They saw love began to loosen a part of her free from that dark valley. And they jumped on that opportunity to continue filling the valley with a little more grace. And then about six months later, the house and all who were there working were able to reach a point with the 17-year-old where, where they've got her working towards a college course. And on her first day of college at the local college, all 14 other girls in that home, they took the day off and they rode one of those wonderful red double-decker buses a few miles over to the college. And all of them, they race out in front of the, the, the probably then 18-year-old at that point, they race out in front of her, And they line up on the steps to the school. And as she walks off the double-decker bus, they all clap. As she walks the steps, and she hits the level plane, and she goes through the door. Level plane because a couple folks use the right arm of their power, their influence, their knowledge, their strength for many years to get this particular house set up and get the kind of training and and love, but also because many folks then tenderly came alongside this particular woman and loved her and partied her and clapped her into being, graced her into a spacious level plane. To the question, where is this Jesus who destroys mountains and raises valleys and sets uneven terrain smooth? Where is he at work this day, right now? Look at the church. Look at the people to whom Jesus has given the same spirit that animated him when he walked this life, same spirit that raised him from the dead, right there, right through the church, is the strong right hand of God and the tender embrace of God, leveling mountains, raising up valleys unto an expanse of life. 
This is why Isaiah 43 has right those famous words. It says, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In other words, in a world of valleys and mountains and, and uneven terrain, people of God, make straight a highway for our God. Make a level plain and so show forth the living God. And so every single time one of us is animated by the Holy Spirit and, and we release the grudge, we drop the pride, or we drop the bitterness, every time we choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to listen with patience, however difficult, to forgive another, however messy, however long, the mountain is crushed and a level highway opens and God can be seen. Every time the church animated by the Holy Spirit defends one who has no voice, one who is overlooked, one who cannot speak the language but has the same need, advocates for the forgotten or the despised, another smooth stretch of asphalt is laid along the valley and God can be glimpsed. Every time the church is animated by the Holy Spirit and sits with another in her addiction, sits with another in his grief, prays with another in her ache, encourages another amidst his despondency. Every time the church loves in the valley, the valley fills and something of the highway extends and God can be glimpsed. Every time, oppositely, differently, the powerful and unjust lobbies are confronted with truth. Every time governments of this world and even this nation are confronted and challenged with the truths of Jesus. Every time larger than life leaders and figures are called to account by the truth and way of Jesus. Every time mountains of power are resisted in the name of Jesus and the way of Jesus, track is laid down. And something of God is made visible. And look, we know that we ourselves cannot raise all these valleys and break all these mountains. In fact, most days we're like that the flowers of the field. We, we put forth something, but, but then we fade. We're weak. We're frail. A few words of forgiveness, a, a letter of encouragement, some money, some advocacy, some prayer. It, goodness, it, it's so small next to how big the valleys are and the mountains are and even some of the consistently uneven terrain. But our call is not to bring forth the full plane of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Our call is to go in the name of the one who does that, in the power of the one who does that, and and to just, by the power of the Holy Spirit, offer glimpses, knowing that whatever we done, whatever we do is done in the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord, Isaiah 40 says, endures forever. Whatever track we lay down in his name, in his spirit, that will not fade or spoil. That will extend into all eternity. One day that will be, in fact, the reality of all of earth. And so if, as parents to young children children to aging parents or goodness as people generally who walk the sidewalks if we find ourselves a little more attentive to the ground I consider that a good thing it means we are attentive to how much damage and pain is done on any measure of uneven terrain it means we're attentive to the space 
where God calls us. I wonder what our road work is for such a time as this. What the uneven and brokenness is for which Jesus will not let our hearts stop aching. May the power of the Spirit who has raised you to life herald through your road work in the coming days that God is come and God is here. Thanks be to God. Amen. In response to God's word, let us stand together on singing on Jordan's Bank, the Baptist cry. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, Heralds of Good News, which was delivered by Rev. Dr. Robert Holm Lippert. The congregation will now join in singing On Jordan's Bank, the Baptist's Cry, which is number 10 in the Presbyterian Hymnal. remain standing as we confess what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. We're about to join together 
in the privilege of prayer. And before we do so, a couple things. One, a reminder, in Advent each week, each Sunday in Advent, we are having uh, different folks from the prayer team up front, right at the end of the service, to offer prayer. Uh, These are folks with a spiritual gift for prayer, for healing prayer, uh, for just meeting you where you are and lifting you or a situation or another before the Lord. And so if you need prayer in in a specific way, uh, please avail yourself of our two leaders today. It'll be uh, Lynn McDonald and Jan Kessel. There'll be one over here, one over here, and, and they are here right after the service to offer that individual prayer to you. As we enter together into this corporate prayer, uh, we are mindful of a couple scriptures I named uh, earlier in the sermon. Mary's song and Jesus' sermon on the mount. Mary's song about the, the raising up the valleys and the lowering powerful and the pride. Jesus's blessed are the raising up. And I'm going to let those be the large portions of our prayer time together and let our hearts marinate in those words, those truths. Let us join together now. Oh God, we give thanks for your good news. We give thanks that at a fundamental level, through forgiveness, through a love we do not deserve, you have smashed the mountain of sin and evil in our lives. You do not hold us guilty or accountable, but break it. And at the same time, you fill the valley of death With your life, you bring us to a level plane. And there we move freely and fully with life. And yet we also see the ways around us where the terrain remains broken. And our hearts ache for for the fullness of your good news to be known And so we make our song Mary's song. We make our prayer in many ways the sermon you give. We join with Mary saying, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. We enjoin also our prayer to your sermon and give thanks for the way you rename reality and lift life among valleys. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. 
for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we make our prayer also the very prayer that you taught us saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In gratitude to the gracious expanse of life that we know in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves. We offer ourselves unto the highway-making work. And one of the ways that we offer ourselves is we offer and steward our finances. And so in this space of worship, you're invited to discern what that looks like for you as the offering plate comes around. Uh, We invite you also to let us know you're here. Use that communication card right inside your bulletin. And let us know if there are ways to be following up with you or ways to be praying for you in in this particular season. You can give now as you are led.
gracious God, we give thanks that you rule with a mighty arm of truth and mercy and justice, and that those same arms so tenderly carry and feed and hold. We give thanks that you love us unconditionally as your children. You bring us to a spacious place of grace. We ask that you take these, our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, and and use them to extend further your highway of life, your good news on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we make our prayer. Amen. Let us remain standing in worship as we sing together, prepare the way. For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You're also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening for a Wednesday night supper beginning at 6 p.m. The supper this coming Wednesday, December 13th, will be the final one for 2017. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineers were Reagan McCullough and Lauren Todd. This service streams live and can be accessed through the church's website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES, 590 on the AM dial and 107.9 on your FM dial.
Two reminders. Immediately after this service, all are invited to our social room just down the hall for refreshments. We will also have uh, two of our prayer team members in Lynn McDonald and Jan Kessel up front right here to pray with you all. And uh, do hope that if, if you are in a place where you could use prayer, healing prayer, someone in your life, to avail yourself to, to that great ministry they offer. The mountains, they do not hold you or define you. And the valley, it will not swallow you. In Jesus Christ, you have been brought to a spacious place. This is where we live and move and have our being. As people so situated, where does the Holy Spirit have you scan the horizon and you notice uneven terrain and your heart just cannot let that go? Make straight a highway in the wilderness by the power of the Holy Spirit whose word will endure through you. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you this day and always. Amen.